0: This is the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of lifelong guidelines and life skills. Today's interview is with Ray McNulty. It is being done over Zoom, and so you'll tell that in some of the audio quality, but we wanted to have a chance to speak with Ray. This is a contact that we got through Dr. Bill Daggett, and we've interacted with Ray in several conferences and that sort of thing along the way. And so at this time, we want to join the podcast with host Kendall Terry and Ray McNulty. We'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Ray McNulty. Ray McNulty works with the Successful Practices Network, which is uh, the network that we um, have partnered with, with Dr. Daggett. And um, we had a chance to uh, reach out to them and say, hey, would anybody be willing to do a podcast interview? And so Ray McNulty was one of the ones that we were trying to get, and he is now with us, and so we're excited to welcome him to the podcast. So first, thank you for sitting down with us today.
1: Well, thank you for all the work you're doing, and it's kind of fun for me to be able to um, watch what you all are doing and connect it to what we're doing. And it, it may, when things make sense, it's just a heck of a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. So, let's start by just kind of introducing you to the podcast listeners. So, um, what sure. ha, what all have you done? Uh, you can give as much information or as little as you'd like, but uh, <laughs> kind of, you know, what what's your trajectory of, of how did you get to where you are and, and what have you done yep. in education?
1: Yeah, well, thanks, and um, I think it's important, uh, I'm from the city of Boston. I grew up in Boston, so you'll hear that Boston accent. Um, <laughs> and i was the the first one in my family uh to go to college i have uh my brother went directly into the marines and i went into college and i'm the only one that in my family that actually did that and it it was you know it was fun because that i went into education because of a teacher and um i think a lot of teachers get people living on that will come back but i never thought of going to college and uh, a teacher engaged in a conversation with me and uh his name's John Reagan and I always attribute my career to the work that he did to inspire me to do things beyond what most other people thought I could do.
0: That but I awesome.
1: started, you know, I started my career in, 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 teaching in Northern Vermont. And, um, and I started in, in a, I was in an ele- elementary and middle school certified. So I did sixth, seventh and eighth grade in a very small rural school. And, uh, I learned a lot about Holstein dairy farms and, um, where where my milk came from when I was sitting in Boston so (laughs) but I I I went I started in that district as a a teacher and I left as the superintendent and um so I worked my way up in the district and um and enjoyed it and um then took another superintendency in Vermont and then um after that I was appointed commissioner of education in the state of Vermont so um, a lot of my career, my, my first, say, 25 years of my career were in the state of Vermont. And um, I, you know, becoming a commissioner, I thought was going to be the most fun and interesting thing. But um, when you get into the position of a commissioner, you, you're into the political scene. Mm. And, and I think, as most people know, that's just not a it's not a really uh, good place to be if you're really trying to do the right thing all the time.
0: Yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm sorry to say it that way, but you know I was working on early childhood and you had to get you know, it, it was different from education. So um, I got taken away from the commissioner's job by Bill Gates and uh, I went to work as a senior fellow there at the Gates Foundation when they first began to do work. Uh, Tom Vanderach was the head of the Gates Foundation at that time, and we were focused on reinventing America's high schools. And uh, when I was in my in my position as superintendent, I was really focused really on early childhood education. So it was kinda of, it gave me another spectrum to look at. Um so I worked at the Gates Foundation for about two and a half, three years and then um left there to um go back to work uh with Bill Daggett.
0: Oh wow. And uh,
1: and so I went and worked with Bill. Uh we ran the International Center for Leadership in Education, did consulting all across the country. Um And at the time I was doing consulting, another thing was going on, which was the online world was starting to explode, online learning. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know much about it. And um, one day I said to Bill, I think I'm going to try to get into the online world and understand that world. So I did. I left uh, to work for a bunch of gentlemen from Bain Venture Capital that bought a big online system and they made me the chief learning officer. I learned a lot about the online world because my career was always face to face yeah. I just thought, this is interesting. So I did that, um, left that position after four years to uh, become the dean at Southern New Hampshire University in their school of education. And I'm not sure if everybody, the you know, listeners know Southern New Hampshire University, but it it was named the 12th most innovative business in the world. In oh, wow. 2000, in 2010 or around there. And, um, and I... I really learned a lot about the future. I learned about a lot about where education was going. Um, Gave me a great insight into the work. And uh, then eventually after that, uh, Bill, my my good partner and friend, Bill Daggett was um, really busy in successful practice network, which is the, it's kind of the arm of uh, what was a a bigger organization. It was the research arm, the arm that um, did a lot of research for Bill and the work he does. And so I went back and, um, I've been there for the last several years. And what we're doing is really, we, we are, a, we basically work as a, want to say a, a design studio. We don't, we don't come with products and ideas. We don't come with products. We go into school districts that have ideas and we help them yeah. kind of build into that. So, um, you know, th- that's kind of my fast career. I, I also serve on a board over in in london england where we operate 16 um they call them academy schools but these are unique schools around uh south london all the way down to the bournemouth coast and uh it's fun doing some work in other countries and i think you guys would be a great connection to the it's the group of schools are called the aspirations academy trust and um i think you you as an organization and as a school that is engaged in a lot of interesting work would would be a great connection for them. Yeah. They um they have some amazing uh, some amazing schools that are really put together by famous people that are, you know, have either created like the the author of Dungeons and Dragons, that whatever you look at that, but he was a game he was a gamer and he created a um he, he created a school for the academies oh, wow. about, you know, the future of gaming and where is the digital world going. Yeah. But there's some really interesting things there. That, that um, is... So that's kind of you know that's kind of my career. I currently live on Cape Cod, um, work from uh, home and on the road, um, and just actually just got back from doing a, uh, an event with all the superintendents in Arizona.
0: Yeah, that that is a fantastic career. You have you have really spread you know the gamut of education, <laughs> um, and I think. People uh, in this area probably would know the Southern New Hampshire uh, connection because we do get those advertisements. I mean, like you said, they're yeah, one of the you know, see the bus, <laughs> right? Yeah, they're one of the largest uh, you know online uh, universities. Right. Now, other you know other universities have now figured out a lot of the online community. I think, and you know, you get a lot of those advertisements. But early on, I mean, Southern New Hampshire was one of the only ones that you would kind of see come through with this online option, and um, between them and, and the other- um, oh, the one out in Phoenix, Arizona, Grand Canyon—you know, the, Grand Canyon. those two kind of yep. were the beginnings of a lot of that market, and now it's you know it's spread to like everybody. It seems like now, but
1: yeah, it really has. And and SNHU also has a campus, which is where I was working most of it. But but what's interesting about Southern New Hampshire University is that um, they they have been deconstructing a lot of their programs because there's too much in them. So like um, they're they're saying like if somebody needs a, bat, a bachelor's degree in business you know they can actually do it in 3 years because they've taken out a lot of the stuff that's just always been in the degree program was really not relevant
0: yeah uh, okay and
1: um, their, their whole point is you know we need to we need to be more project based so mm. instead of taking you know four courses in english all the english is embedded in the business program okay right? so it's a business class so they're they're more they, they create more of an interdisciplinary experience which I think is great anyway it was a fun it was a fun time I learned a lot and um, now I'm back you know doing mostly work um, in the k-12 districts and um, and really looking at my a lot of the work that I do is a, is helping schools become more future focused rather yep. than you know based on the past
0: well and I know that you know part of that you mentioned Future Focused is uh, the conference that the Successful Practices Network now, um, I know, does in D.C., where we've actually got a, a group that's going to be attending the one we, we've attended a couple of years ago and then uh, took last year off and uh, are, are back on yeah. the list to come back this summer. And we're excited to, to uh, hear all of the things that, that the presenting schools and, and people um, I think that that was a very good conference for that. A lot of new ideas, a lot of fresh ideas, innovative work that's being done all over the, the nation, if not the world. I can't remember um, if it was... if I know I interacted with people that were not just U.S. people um, at that conference. Yes. And so um, it's yes. exciting yes. to see what's happening around the world because there is a lot of really good innovation. You know, you talked about the commissioner of education is, is a little bit political uh, in, in that role. And I think politics... <laughs> You know, sometimes people get mixed up in the political side of education and, and and forget the just really cool things that are happening in our local school systems all over the nation. It, exactly, um, and it, you're
1: so right about that. And, and you know what's really interesting, and um, yeah, I, I, where I spend most of my time is, and I know that you you guys really focus on really operating under best practices, and um, and I I I believe strongly in that, but I also believe that fifty percent of everyone's time needs to be spent in next practices. Oh, that's good. Because those those are the things that are emerging that we need to begin to use, and we need to be able to figure out how. And you know, it's it's kind of like the emerging world of AI. Okay, mm. um, AI is not a best practice because we haven't been able to study it enough to determine how it, you know, what its impact is and all that. But the 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 whole point of of this is that education, uh, schools and and educators need to be the agents of the change and not the objects of the change. We need to be playing with it. We need to be, because, you know, educators need to try some things. We We need to have an environment in our school, in all of our schools where our kids and our educators engage in figuring out what's, you know, what can we do with this work? How can we make it better, you know? The AI piece is kind of interesting right now. I've I've spent a lot of time with districts talking about AI, meeting educators that are using it in a district where they've got protocols for beginning to try things out. Um, You know, I I I I know there's a a lot of people like the show on TV Shark Tank. You know, where people come in and they pitch new ideas. Well, I think we need to have a culture in our schools where, if uh, you know. Kendall, you and I are at a conference and we're teaching you know and uh, and we're sharing a, gra- a great idea and we come up with an idea and we sh- we should we should be able to you know to bring it to our system to test it out and see how it plays out get it get impact get input from the students because it's their learning and and figure out how to, you know how to make things work yeah and um, that process that process is, is really iterative and it just continues to to grow, and so what happens is, next practices eventually become best practices.
0: That that goes right in line with we've done uh, two weeks of interviews, um, one with our principals here at the school, and then last the one that actually just went live this week was with our lower school technology person, and that was mm-hmm. the exact thing we said. You know, we we want to create a system where our teachers can can feel that vulnerability and that risk taking to say, let's try some of this stuff knowing that that means we're also going to miss it we're also you know we're we're going to mess it up sometimes but there's there's going to be times that we're going to get it right um and we're going to see something you know a a glimmer emerge out of an idea or out of a something in the classroom and a lot of times you know allowing kids the chance to figure this out with the teachers you know to say what what, what are we able to do as a class? Let's, let's, let's start to use this because that's where you start to develop some of those um, digital ethics. Dr. Daggett mentioned that when he was here of working on digital ethics with our kids of of where is the line? Well, if, if you're just afraid of the technology and and you just shun it and put it off to the side, then it's, then there's no, like you never establish a line, you know, the line is don't touch it. Well, that's not the world that our kids yeah. are going to grow up in, you know.
1: No, they're no, they're not, and they're you know our students are, um, you know, I, I when I go into a place of work, I don't see people saying don't look on the internet and don't touch that. I don't see that, right? Right. I, what I see is them trying to figure out like what are the best, what's the best way for us to proceed with this, and I think that you know part of this work of um, of trying things with our students helps to project in in those students' lives that uh, learning is not a linear process. It's a squiggly line sometimes. Mm. Um, actually, we, we launched at our Future Focus conference this year. Um, one of the key themes that I brought to the conference was, you know, embrace the squiggle. You know, a lot of people think you implement something and you're starting to go. It, it, it is a spiraling, unknown, unpredictable uh, process and if you really understand um, change and transformation which are two different things but if you understand those issues you really begin to realize that um, you know the, the process is iterative so by example um, I'll often say to people you know what we if you remember the very first cell phones um, it was like a bag right? and it was a bag <laughs> and it had a bag now um that that was not a perfect thing but what they did is they 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 launched it into society and they watched how it began to develop and because of that we now have these things called so they're still called phones but they very rarely are using used for calls right used for all kinds <laughs> of things and this is about twenty or uh, twenty generations that, that iphone or that samsung whatever you happen to have in your hands um, that's about 20 generations past that bag phone that first came out. So when we launch a new idea, um, uh, educators, particularly, this is where I have to co- do a lot of coaching of educators because when they launch a program, they want it to go perfect. Right. And here's the thing: it will. If it's going to be a different program, if it's going to be something unusual, it you know it is not going to be a straight line. It is going to be a process that's going to need a lot of changing and and that's that's a healthy way of learning about the future yeah because we just don't know so we go ahead and we begin some things like when i see some I, i've been talking to teachers i was talking to a, uh, an english teacher two about two weeks ago who is using ai and he's using Claude and as, as 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 the platform and um he had he he figured out a way to help it make help it correct some of his papers. Right? Yeah. So he, he can turn all of his all the student papers into a PDF, and he he he, drop, he drops a, a quote in, asking Claude to you know evaluate this this and this in those papers. And boom, it did it fast enough so that he could actually hand it back to the students before they even could leave the class. Mm-hmm. What he said to them was, he explained, and he was very open. I used AI to correct these papers. I want you to know that. I was it's it was my it was my um, my choice to have like a co-pilot, have something or, you know, that was helping me. And so um, the teacher, the students had, were very favorable toward that. And then what he said to them was, now if you begin to use AI, I want you to be able to say, you know, I said these are AI corrected. I'd like you to be able to say this was your writing was AI assisted. Mm. and if you and if you you know see so it's not about cheating it's about using resources and getting the, the work done so the point was what his point the uh, the teacher was saying i wanted my students to be free about saying yes i did use ai to get this paper done and so now he starts having conversations with them about well what did the AI, how did you use the ai what did you do mm. and they started to get into that so that from a person from the from the educator's perspective if they're, they're going to use it I want them to use it the right way yeah and I don't want them to be, I don't want them to be shy about using it so,
0: and I, I think that's where not, you know, that partnership between ahead. the I think that's where that partnership between the student and the teacher then helps establish that boundary line of saying up until this point it's okay and, and we've talked about that of if you're using it as an as an in essence a peer editor I mean how many times have you written something as a student and you're going man I really would like somebody to review this but I don't have time necessarily to send it to somebody. They have time to read it, mark it up, send it back to me. Uh. You know, I I have limited amount of time. All of our students have that. You know, it's not like they're just sitting there with unlimited time. So using it in ways to say this is a nice peer editor to give me some fresh ideas, a fresh look at at this. I actually uploaded a, a writing that I had done. Uh, I was picking with our English teachers here because they had helped edit this paper for me. It was, it, we were submitting it to, uh, to be published and uh, they had went through, edited it. we made several changes. Well, I had this in a PDF and I was playing around with, with Claude actually and, and uploaded it. I uploaded the junior English uh, rubric and uh, that we use with our junior English uh, teachers and, and students and said, you know, here's the rubric. I actually uploaded our school handbook and said the grading policy is in the handbook Um, follow the grading policy use the rubric grade this paper for an 11th grade English uh, student and I was kidding with our teachers our our grading scale is a one to four scale Um, and Claude said that I got a four on the paper um, which I was excited about uh, because my writing was never a four Uh, but uh, I told him it was really their writing was a four which doesn't surprise me because they're amazing Uh, but because they had edited it you know and but it gave me, I mean, it gave me almost an essay back of, of, of a review, you know, here's things that were good uh-huh. and here's things that you, you know, that, that expanded the the paper in a well, and then there was a whole thing of, if you want to make this better, even though it was saying it was a great paper, um, if you want to make this better, here are things that you should consider doing. And I just thought, man, and I mean, it was within seconds, you know, that it had done this. And it's like, man, for our yeah. writers, you know, it's not saying I had Claude write it for me. It was it it gave me a, a, an edit and said, "Here's some things that you right. might consider doing to your paper. But I still then had to go back in and rewrite it if I wanted to. You know, so I was like, man, this could be huge for our kids on some time saving and our teachers, because I looked at that with teachers. You know, Dr. Daggett mentioned giving nights and weekends back to our teachers. Um, with, exactly. You know, with life, you know, work life balance. That's huge. But to be able as a teacher to say, I got through the however many students worth of papers I had, you know, for when I was at a public school as a teacher, I I would easily have a hundred papers that I might be grading in science because I'd have them write a lot in science too. And, you know, it's like, that's a whole weekend. And that, that mentally drains you as a teacher, um, of trying to get through those. And then when you're giving them back to students, you know, because you've spent time and it kind of mentally drains you, sometimes you don't have the input then to, to go further with them. But if you can take some of that mental capacity out and say, let's use some assistance here with AI and that sort of thing, then the teacher has the the ability to be more creative, to say, hey, let's, let's pull this group aside now and look at our papers. Let's look at the feedback. Let's see how we can go deeper. Let's see what the AI said. Is that something that makes sense? Like, let's evaluate the stuff that it, it said we should do does that make sense? How do you keep your voice in that? Because your voice in writing is huge, especially in, in, you know, that English capacity. So the teacher now can spend a lot of their time and energy in the stuff that matters with students on going deeper into the content, getting better in the writing um, by letting AI, you know, take some of that off of them. Um, I think it's a great idea for our teachers to use, and, and I'm encouraging them to Start playing around with it, like you said. Next practice, I love that. I'm going to use that uh, if you're okay with it. Um, yeah. And know yeah,
1: well, well, you know, it, it's what you've been saying is so um, it 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 sets a culture for people to feel a little entrepreneurial in the world of education, you know, and um, because we're so you know we're we really need to recognize that um, what what we need to be able to do for our students is to educate them so that they do not need us anymore. Mm. They need to be, we need to turn every student into a learner. And, and you don't do that um, by strictly standing um, behind pedagogy, because, you know, in most of our schools, uh, stu- we're, we're taught as teachers to, you know, to tell the student what to do, when to do it, how to do it, when to turn it in. And um, and learning is in many schools just driven like that, and um, and students you know don't get immediate feedback, but you know with AI if you're doing something you can get immediate feedback and it'll help you move on and that iter- that iterative process is important. But the fact of the matter is that um, both you and I and and as well as all the parents that are listening to this podcast, um, we all learn through something called andragogy. We we know what we don't know. And if we don't know something, we know how to go about learning it. Mm-hmm. And when we learn it, we don't need to take a test to tell us that we learned it. We, we get to know that. Okay? And so that, that's the greatest gift we can give our student is to have them be able to know what they don't know and mm-hmm. then make a plan to learn it and know how, know how they actually do know it. You know, it's, and that's, so you got to go from pedagogy, which is the art of teaching to a field called utagogy, which is how you create self-directed learners. Because if in in pedagogy, you, you do so much for them, they don't know, they don't know how to learn without somebody being around. So the, so the whole goal is a kind of a step process of, you know, begin to learn some things. Then teachers slowly back away, and you know begin to let a student become a self-directed learner.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and then and then they from that they become they, they begin to learn that they're an adult learner. They understand what they don't know, and um, and and that you know that scale of things in our schools today, um, there's just so much uh, detached learning. And what I love about the work that's going on um, in your school is that it's it's not just project based but it's it's an engaging deep level of a dive where they they become so attached to the learning that they start to acquire the skills of you the self directed learner they yeah. they're in control of a lot of their learning and um that's that's the gift that we need to give our kids it's not that they're the valedictorian valedictorians you know they that's like just think of it um there's been some studies done at Boston College about valedictorians. They're, those people are really good at school, yeah, and they're good at everything. And um, and the issue really becomes one of um, outside of school. Uh, that world is highly unpredictable, it, it's not you know it's not so linear, logical, and sequential. You've got to be able to navigate the learning that you want to engage in outside. So it's a very different, diff- very different experience, and the kind of experiences. <clears throat> That I see you all engaging in, <clears throat> that Linda shares and Bill shares, is that you know this is real learning. They're they're in charge of it. They take yeah. it on. Um, that's just powerful.
0: Well, we those are the next practices
1: that get us where we need to be.
0: Yeah. Well, we we really enjoy seeing our students, you know, do that and take that risk and and. You know, helping coach through when it doesn't work and then, you know, look for ways to make it better along the way and, and being that support system, that scaffold to help them get where they were wanting to go. And this has been the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. If you'd like to find out more about Clayton Bradley Academy, you can visit us on our webpage, www.claytonbradleyacademy.org or on social media sites at cbstem or at Clayton Bradley Academy. This has been a part one of a two-part interview with Ray McNulty, and we hope that you join us next week for part two. We hope you have a great day.